0: Welcome to this American Journal of Gastroenterology podcast. I'm Brian Lacey, professor of medicine at the Mayo Clinic, Jacksonville, and co-editor-in-chief of the American Journal of Gastroenterology, along with Brennan Spiegel, my co-editor-in-chief from Cedar sinai in Los Angeles. I'm delighted to be speaking today with Dr. Swapna Gayam, Associate Professor of Medicine, Section of Gastroenterology at West Virginia University School of Medicine in Morgantown, West Virginia. Dr. Gayam is also a member of the Women and GI Committee for the American College of Gastroenterology. Today, we'll discuss her recent article, Environmental Impact of Endoscopy, Scope of the Problem, which was just published online in the American Journal of Gastroenterology. Dr. Gayam, welcome. Let's begin simply. What prompted the development of this red section? Dr. Lacey.
1: I'm delighted to be here and talking to you today about this podcast and about my article. So in my personal life, my family and I try to do what we can to reduce our carbon footprint. We recycle, compost, garden, and try to avoid using plastic bags. And I hadn't really thought about this issue in my work life until one day I watched my endoscopy nurse scoop all the plastic waste from the counter into the trash can. I just watched appalled. I looked into the trash can, I put on a pair of gloves and rummaged through it and saw so much plastic. I couldn't believe my eyes. The next day I told my nurse not to throw away anything from my first procedure that day, which happened to be a double, an upper and a lower scope. I sorted the plastic waste into recyclable and non-recyclable piles and weighed them. There was 1.5 kilogram of plastic waste out of which, disappointingly, only 0.3 kilogram was recyclable. That was kind of an aha moment for me. I got more conscious. I realized also, as days went on, that this was more than just plastic. I started noticing that lights in our rooms are never completely turned off on weekends. When I go to the endoscopy room to get something from our rooms, lights were still on. I started looking more into trash cans, and I even earned the nickname the trash doctor or the trash lady for a few days. And all of this got me thinking to what in general is the carbon footprint of our profession, especially endoscopy. And that's where this project started for me.
0: All right. That's really wonderful. What a great personal perspective. And I think it's okay to be digging through the trash here to really understand the significance of this problem. So thanks for doing that. So you mentioned the term carbon footprint, and I think many of our listeners are comfortable with that term, although definitions vary. So for the purpose of your article, how did you define carbon footprint?
1: So I will tell you how I defined carbon footprint for the article and what I think it is from my perspective. Carbon footprint is the total amount of greenhouse gases that are generated by a person, product, event, party, etc, expressed in terms of carbon dioxide equivalence. Now these greenhouse gases, mostly carbon dioxide, methane, nitrous oxide, hydrofluorocarbons, etc, absorb and trap infrared radiation and energy that would otherwise escape into space. Now this leads to increasing air and water temperatures, what we commonly call global warming, And this in turn leads to melting of polar ice caps, rising ocean levels, warming of oceans, heavier precipitation in in terms of hurricanes and storms and floods like we are seeing recently. So this is what the definition of carbon footprint is. Now what I call or what I say is everything that we eat, drink, wear, buy, dry contributes to our carbon footprint.
0: That's a great definition. It reminds us how prevalent everything we do and how it impacts us. So before we delve into your article, can you kind of give us a perspective of what an average person's daily and or yearly carbon footprint is?
1: Yes. So for the purpose of our discussion, let's take the United States of America. An average American's yearly carbon footprint is about 16 metric tons of carbon dioxide equivalents per year. It is calculated in terms of carbon dioxide equivalent because carbon dioxide forms the bulk of greenhouse gases, about 85%. Now, the 16 to 20 metric tons is one of the highest in the world. The global average is about four tons per person per year. Now, what does that mean? It means that an average American generates four to five times more greenhouse gases per person compared to the rest of the world. If we talk about daily usage or daily carbon footprint, it comes to about 80 to 100 pounds per day. But what does that mean to an average person? The 80 to 100 pounds of carbon dioxide equivalent is similar to greenhouse gases produced when you drive about 113 to 115 miles in an average passenger vehicle, to put it in perspective. And it is offset by recycling about two trash bags full of waste instead of throwing them in landfill.
0: Okay, that's a very nice personal perspective, Swapna. And so then mm-hmm. that number, can you provide some perspective on how changes in the carbon footprint of an individual? help with climate change as you mentioned.
1: So like I mentioned earlier, an average American's carbon footprint is about 16 to 20 metric tons of carbon dioxide equivalents per year. Now this needs to reduce to two tons per year by the year 2050 to avoid a two Celsius rise in global temperature. 16 to two doesn't happen magically. It doesn't happen with one individual. It needs much more than that. These changes need to happen on national and international levels. The whole world needs to acknowledge the problem and work together to fix it. Now, this is where the Paris Accord comes into play. Most nations in the world committed to decrease their carbon footprint by 50% by the year 2030. Now, that being said, these large-scale global changes will have any chance of meaningful impact only if enough individuals are passionate about it. And so the change needs to come on an individual and global level.
0: Well, that's no, great in this room, it's a nice number. Remember we've got to reduce by 50%. So maybe this seems obvious, but what led you to think about carbon footprint and the endoscopy suite? Why didn't you choose oh, the general medical ward or the operating room instead?
1: As a gastroenterologist, I spend more than 50% of my time in scoping, interacting with staff, colleagues, and fellows. So I thought that would be a great place to start this project. In my article, I talk about uh, specific plastic waste, and that is very specific to an endoscopy unit. But the information I have and the calculations I've made about energy consumption in general, especially about lighting, can be generalizable to any medicine ward, or operating room also.
0: Wonderful. So, Swabna, for people who may not have quite gotten to your article yet, either online or when it comes out in print, guide us through a typical endoscopy procedure and remind us about what is trash and what can be recycled and what we could do better.
1: A typical endoscopic procedure, and for our discussion purposes, let's take it as an EGD and a colonoscopy uses a plastic box that contains a stack of 4x4 gauze pieces, a plastic water bottle, a plastic suction canister for the scope, plastic suction catheter for the scope, plastic suction canister for anesthesia, a plastic bite block, plastic isolizer bottle, plastic packaging for biopsy forceps, plastic packaging for snares, and plastic packaging for scope buttons. Now, out of this long list of plastic goods, the gauze box, water bottle, and the isolizer bottle are the only recyclable items and contributed to the 0.3 kilogram out of the 1.5 kilogram plastic waste, which again, is very disappointing. Now, there are a few things I wanna point out here. Given our profession and our association with bile and stool, there's certain things that might not be conducive to recycling, for example, the suction tubing and the suction catheter through which the stool and bile pass and get collected for many obvious reasons probably should not be recycled.
0: Okay, so thinking about this now you've kind of guided us through a, a single procedure. Let's put in perspective for a lot of our listeners and busy endoscopy suites. Give us kind of an idea of what this means for a 60 D procedure per day endoscopy center.
1: So if an endoscopy center is performing about 60 to 80 procedures per day, the plastic waste that would be generated would be about 90 to 100 kilogram per day. Just imagine 90 to 120 kilogram of plastic waste per day, out of which about 18 to 24 kilogram might be recyclable. But here, the big question is how many endoscopy centers are actually recycling, because If the center does not recycle, then it means there's approximately 140 kilograms of landfill plastic waste per day.
0: Huge amount. And so Swabna, I know you've thought about this an awful lot, and we don't want to overwhelm our listeners with numbers, but think about this collectively in the United States, because you've obviously thought about this a lot. And what does this really mean with all the endoscopy centers? And what does this mean in terms of waste and recycling and our and a collective United States carbon footprint?
1: So in the United States, there are approximately 18 million endoscopic procedures performed annually. That means we generate about 13 to 14,000 tons of plastic waste out of which, according to my calculations, about 11,000 tons is non-recyclable. But the more important point here is that the carbon footprint the endoscopic carbon footprint is much more than just plastic. In fact, plastic is a minor contributor to this problem. The major contributors are lighting, scope machines, wash machines, anesthesia machines. Not just these, a myriad of non-endoscopic items that deserve attention are Things that we probably don't use in our day-to-day home life, like styrofoam cups for coffee, styrofoam lunch containers, printing paper, and seemingly endless piles of Starbucks coffee cups and straws, which in our case is very conveniently located just a few steps outside of our unit. In my article I looked at the energy consumption of our endoscopy unit as a whole with the help of a chemical engineer I calculated the energy consumption of our unit in a single day operating 6 rooms 5 days a week our calculations showed that it's about 111.5 kilowatt hours of energy consumption per day now if we're talking about an endoscopy center performing 80 endoscopes per day. That comes to about 225, roughly, kilowatt hours per day. Now, to put that into perspective, it's equal to burning 175 pounds of coal. Now, nationally, taking 18 million endoscopic procedures per year, you know how much that equals to, Brian? Burning 39 million pounds of coal per year. One of the biggest shockers for me, was when I called the facilities to talk about the lighting in the rooms, because half of our rooms have candle lights, we still use incandescent bulbs. Now, what does that mean? These are traditional light bulbs that are very energy inefficient. Even though there are many energy efficient new alternatives like LED bulbs, we still are not using these new alternatives. And as I mentioned earlier, the lights are also not being turned off completely when there's nobody in the room at nights, on weekends. And all of this collectively contributes to our carbon footprint, including the energy consumption of the endoscopy machine, anesthesia machine, and the wash machines. Now, one interesting fact about wash machines that I found out during my research is that wash machines are available as single basin or double basin. Now, it's very energy efficient to actually use a double basin, but use both basins at the same time, which conserves energy as opposed to running basin at a time. Being very mindful of things like that would help us decrease our carbon footprint. Another thing that I tried to do was contact a few different endoscope Companies, Even though I didn't hear back, but I would be very curious to find out if there's any difference between the energy consumption of different company, different brand endoscope machines. And so also being mindful going forward about the energy consumption of endoscope machines when buying them would also help reduce our carbon footprint.
0: Great thoughts and great ideas. And you touched on this a little bit, Swabna. I'm sure that many, if not most of our listeners, recycle on a daily basis. You know, paper at work, cans and bottles at home, as you've kind of mentioned. What can we do as endoscopists to help with recycling? And do you think that will make a difference?
1: Now, I agree that most of us recycle at home. But I can tell you, as an institution, our hospital does not. And this was a hugely disappointing revelation for me that got me thinking as to how many endoscopy centers in this country actually do recycle or are we actually burning 39 million pounds of coal a year. Also, recycling itself has had mixed data as to its impact on carbon footprint, but most of that came from operating rooms, this data. There are definitely more endoscopic procedures performed in this country than OR surgeries, so that data cannot be used for endoscopy. We can lead by example. Educating and creating awareness among colleagues and staff should be the first step, and that goes a long way. I read this very interesting uh, and motivating article in Gastroenterology and Endoscopy News about an OR charge nurse in Wisconsin who started a green team By simply educating staff how to correctly sort out trash from recycle, they increased their ore recycling from 3 to 5 tons a month in just three months. There are institutions like Mass General Hospital that have collaborated with farms and started composting their food waste, which in itself is a huge problem, doing simple things like using reusable gowns. You know, our procedures are not sterile, so we don't need to be using sterile throwaway gowns every time for every scope that we do. Or just simple things like using washcloths to hold the scope instead of using the throwaway gauze pieces would actually also make a big impact. Now, the American College of Gastroenterology recently published a practice management toolbox article titled, Going Green, Improving Your Endoscopy Unit's Carbon Footprint, I would urge everyone to read that article. It really highlights the importance of using reusable gowns, lighting in the rooms, etc. Ultimately, all energy consumption comes from energy sources. Unfortunately, we in West Virginia use coal as our major energy source. 90% of our hospital's energy comes from coal energy sources to power our endoscopy units and hospitals in general would be the icing
0: on the cake. Well, as you're discussing these fascinating kind of facts and figures and somewhat discouraging, do we need a completely different mindset about this. You know, maybe recycling is not enough. Should we think about new materials that could decompose easily or should we be washing more pieces of equipment instead of throwing them away? You know, really, do we need a whole new mindset here? What do you think?
1: Yes, absolutely. As I mentioned earlier, recycling is only a minor contributor in reducing our carbon footprint. Every action has a reaction in terms of carbon footprint. The less lights we use, the less carbon footprint we are producing. Switching incandescent light bulbs to LED light bulbs not only saves energy, and that by more than 60 percent, but also saves money for the hospital. So we can sell this to our hospitals in terms of money saving also. When it comes to wasting and reusing equipment, there is no doubt that that will help reduce our carbon footprint and save the environment. Small things like scope buttons, over the years I've noticed that the scope buttons changed from reusable to disposable. I never really understood why that is, but those little things can help change our carbon footprint. There's a lot of talk, disposable scopes, and many disposable parts to the scopes. Now, I'm very aware of the infection problem we've had a few years ago regarding certain scopes, but I don't think replacing all scopes with disposable scopes is the answer to that problem. I think we need to have a good discussion with industry about better solutions to this problem that would also be environmentally friendly, like maybe better cleaning solutions to the scopes, or even using environmentally friendly cleaning solutions, which in my research, I have come across one or two products like this. So we need to come out of this mindset about using everything disposable, quote unquote. And When it comes to decomposing material, this is definitely a discussion ACG leaders should have with industry. I tried to ask our supplier to contact some companies about the possibility of making these plastic packaging into biodegradable, but obviously I didn't get any response. I went into our endoscopy storeroom and what I saw there were rows and rows and rows of plastic packaging for all equipment. Now, if we can make this plastic packaging into biodegradable packaging material, that would make a huge impact in our carbon footprint. We should also be talking about energy efficient endoscopy machines and wash machines like I earlier mentioned.
0: Thank you, Swapna. You kind of briefly mentioned in your article the concept about kind of an ACG certified green status. How would that work and what would an endoscopy suite need to do to be certified as green?
1: So wouldn't, we, wouldn't it be great to be able to have that little green check mark next to your endoscopy center when you're advertising your practice? At least I know I would love to have that, but we have a long way to go in our place. I think at a minimum to be ACG green certified centers should recycle and document it, reduce non-recyclable waste and document it, use energy-efficient lighting and document what they do to minimize usage of lighting. Because as I mentioned, lighting is the biggest contributor to energy consumption in an endoscopy unit. Document efficient equipment usage. And finally, have a renewable power source.
0: And thinking about those great ideas for a a green status, are you aware of any countries that are doing that right now, Swabna?
1: So I don't know of any countries that have an established green certification program, but the United Kingdom has a, quote, green endoscopy network, unquote, as a part of their national healthcare sustainability program. And I haven't gotten into too much detail about this, but I think that is one country that is actually working towards um, a green endoscopy goal.
0: Wonderful. Swabna, this has been a wonderful conversation. I really can't thank you enough for doing this and thinking about this and challenging our listeners. Any last thoughts for our listeners?
1: I want the listeners to understand that climate change is a crisis and we would be remiss if we did not acknowledge that our profession contributes significantly to this. Together, we should try to address and fix this. And in closing, I would like to quote my personal hero, Greta Thunberg. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and we should take control of it before it takes control
0: of us. So, Swapna, thank you again for a wonderful article, a challenging discussion, and a great conversation. We can't thank you enough.
1: Thank you very much for this opportunity.